Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Leviticus chapter 25, 1 through 7, we hear these words. The Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your male and female servants, and the hired worker and temporary resident who live among you as well as your livestock and the wild animals in the land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. Nature has and will continue to be transformed by humans. But that doesn't mean that we can control everything. Rather, I propose that we begin to see ourselves included within nature and know that we all depend on this science of relationships. How we relate to nature often mirrors how we relate to one another. And if you believe this to be true, there are unhealthy and healthy ways that this occurs. I'm going to cover that in two parts today. Part one, unhealthy relationships, nature. In recent history, fish, poultry, and cattle industries have controlled the way in which those are fed, the way they are raised, the way they are fattened, killed, and then packaged within the same factory. These animals never get a chance to live, eat, graze, or mate in their natural environment. To learn more about this impact on our relationship with animals, I really suggest reading Tracy Stewart's book, Do Unto Others, A Friendly Guide to How Animals Live and How We Can Make Their Lives Better. It focuses on living respectfully with many animals such as dogs, goats, and even spiders. We know that agriculture, as we currently practice it, is the largest threat to biodiversity and the ecosystem function of any human activity. And we know that agriculture is also the largest consumer of a precious resource, and that is water. If you've ever watched The Wolf of Wall Street, you know at the end 
that the next big thing that they are looking to trade on the stock market or even to own are the rights to water. One final thought about this type of farming and agriculture that the world has embraced. Know that the way that we do this work has led to new epidemics and the reemergence of old diseases. Where we don't know the direct impacts of the environment due to COVID-19, what we can say is that there has been a weakening of climate policies, deforestation, and swaths of agricultural factory workers who have contracted COVID-19. Brazil has been hit hard by COVID-19. And while they've been focusing on controlling the virus, illegal loggers and miners have taken advantage of the situation to go into the Amazon to cut down large parts of it. Between January and April, 464 miles of the rainforest were destroyed. That's 55% more than was destroyed last year for the same reason. The cleared area will be burned and made suitable for cattle grazing, which could increase the chance of wildfires. It did last year, if you remember, that about 3,500 square miles burned in the Amazon rainforest. Scientists have said that cattle ranching in the Amazon is, is numerous and harmful to our environment. And some of the consequences are our economic, social, and ecological grounds. That means deforestation, land concentration, and a small contribution to the actual regional economy and development. Here in the United States, the current administration recently signed an executive order that enables federal agencies to waive environmental review for infrastructure projects such as highways, pipelines, and all in the name to speed our economic recovery. That executive order actually weakens the National Environmental Policy Act. That act itself is what requires government agencies to conduct a thorough review of the potential environmental and public health impacts before a project is approved. And it allows voters and citizens and local communities to weigh in. Let's not forget the effects of that type of behavior impact those who are still drinking and bathing in lead-filled waters in Flint, Michigan. Our objectifying interest in land and its products suggests a profound disengagement from the vitality of all of creation. Our relationship to nature often mirrors our relationships with people. As we know, the black experience in the Western Hemisphere was born of exploitation. Just like the fertile ground and territories of America were in the past and continue to be exploited. And since enduring this forced migration, black people have interacted and developed, cultivated and loved relationships with the land and with farming. They've made sense of their experiences. But yet, since the end of slavery, these black folks have experienced racism on many levels, 
in particular to this, the theft of land, farmland. In 1920, nearly a million black farmers worked on 41 million acres, making up a seventh of the farm owners. Today, that's just about 49,000 of them that remain, making up just a little over 1% of the nation's farm owners. That's a 90% loss of revenue, of culture, of land in just 100 years. The impacts of objectifying land and people as it relates to an indigenous perspective can be seen that 80% of the world's biodiversity is actually only on 25% of the land. And within that, only 5% of the indigenous communities own or work on that land. Agricultural and food industry employees are given the label of essential workers during COVID-19, and yet they put their lives at risk for $12.42 an hour. That's less than $26,000 a year. Together, legal and undocumented immigrants make up nearly a quarter of the nation's 8.2 million workers within our food industries. And immigrants account for more than a quarter of those workers in the agricultural sector. They have the highest representation in any industry there. This is really important. I throw all of these statistics at you because I want us to be aware of the foundation of how far our relationship with nature mirrors our relationship with humans. Many of those communities I just mentioned live without livable wages, adequate health care, if any health care at all, and inadequate housing. As we become increasingly aware of the catastrophic effects of environmental degradation, it's important for us to think more deeply about the interconnectedness of racial and class politics when we talk about our unhealthy relationship with nature. Part two, our healthy relationships. If we mirror nature, perhaps our relationships with nature would be healthier. In the Old Testament, we see many poetic images of land and nature. We also learn that the descendants of Israel were given not a land, but the use of land with instructions on how to care for it. In Leviticus, land wasn't a means to an end. Agrarian laws were created to protect earth and our relationship to it. In Leviticus 25, the Lord instructs Israel on the sabbatical year. I'm paraphrasing a couple verses here. When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. Six years you sow and prune and gather, but in the seventh year there will be a Sabbath of complete rest of the land. Nature poet Wendell Berry makes a comparison of work and Sabbath in a post-industrial revolution when he states, the industrial economy must never rest. There's no such thing as enough, and everybody and everything is weary 
oh, we are so weary and there is no rest. Perhaps we should take a lesson from Leviticus 25. In a recent article by Southwest Folklife Alliance, they interview a Hopi farmer about dry farming. And he says out here, the land is yielding, but it has to be yielded in a way that means it is respected. It involves stewardship, reverence, and it's about a faith and a belief system that allows us to fully involve and believe in everything that's around us. This respect and reverence becomes clear when I see people out here planting our corn. I can feel a strength in that. Corn is not just food. It's seed for future corn, and it's our spiritual survival. Without it, we would not be here. A beautiful visual example of healthy relationships that nature provides for us can actually be seen in this video. Watch closely. I'm in kindergarten and my name is Jasper. I'm in kindergarten and my name is Leika. I'm in kindergarten and my name is Atticus. I'm in kindergarten and my name is Skyler. And my name is Lindsay. And I'm Maya from the Highfield Center for Composting. We are going to teach you how to compost at your school. What is compost? Compost is a pile of green organic matter, like food, garden waste, or manure, that has been mixed with brown organic matter, such as leaves, straw, or wood chips. Over time, the compost pile decomposes or breaks down into soil. Billions of tiny creatures help with this breakdown, including worms and fungus, and bacteria. Compost is very rich in nutrients and can be used in gardens and fields to grow crops and to heal soil. And why should we compost? Compost helps our world so it doesn't be all just loaded with trash. Garbage doesn't get used like compost does because garbage goes into a big pile wherever that is. These piles are called landfills. When you throw your food into the garbage, this is where it ends up. Landfills seriously affect our planet's air and our water. When sent to a landfill, leftover food, also known as food scraps, will produce a gas called methane. Methane is a powerful greenhouse gas that goes into our air and contributes to global warming in a big way. Greenhouse gases trap the sun's heat in our atmosphere and warm up our planet. Hotter temperatures can lead to melting ice caps, rises in sea level, and animals losing their homes. There is a lot of water in food. And when food scraps are put into the landfill, the water from the food combines with all the other items in the landfill to create a toxic sludge called leachate. Leachate can leak into groundwater and get into our rivers and lakes harming the creatures that live there and dirtying the water that we drink or swim in. When we compost our food scraps, instead of sending them to the landfill, we reduce both the amount of methane and leachate created. But also, we conserve space in our limited landfills. In short, composting is much better for our planet. A closed food cycle is created by keeping food scraps out of the landfill. Food is grown, eaten, and then the food scraps are composted back into the soil to grow more food. 
composting. Who knew I was going to go to composting? Well, composting is the combining of varying and often unthought of materials. These unlikely things come together and form dirt, with a little help from science, of course. And it's transformed into a material that provides a healthy and nutrient foundation for what's next. Another great example of nature demonstrating the beauty of healthy relationships is the relationship between three common crops that we have here in the Southwest and in Mexico. It's known as the three sisters: corn, beans, and squash. The corn provides trellises for the beans. The squash provides leaves to discourage weeds and protects from water being over evaporated. And then the beans, they fix the nitrogen that enhances the soil's fertileness for all three of those crops. At a basic level, the most important thing that can be done for the land is to pay attention to it, to learn from it, and of course, care for it. While trying to be in relationship with it, if we mirror nature, our relationships with one another will be healthier. In 2005, there was a small farming community in Cedar Grove, North Carolina, and they experienced a tragic murder of a town treasure, a beloved man who owned a local store that the entire community went and hung out at and supported. The local United Methodist Church decided to hold a vigil to honor this man.、And、there was a black woman who was at that vigil. She had never seen the diversity of the people to come out and support anything, and she felt inspired. So she decided to donate five acres of her land to the United Methodist Church, in order to begin the reconciliation process between the community, as well as with the land. So, in partnership with this church, the land was converted to a community garden. That was available for everyone—the migrants, the locals, both black and white, and the spiritual and non-spiritual believers. It was a gesture of living in harmony with one's community and with the land. The woman is said to believe that planting gardens and seeking peace were symbolic gestures, like sowing beans with your corn. And marigolds with your tomato. She believed that that is exactly the kind of companion planting that churches should be doing. Imagine this: neighbors working together in complex times and situations to form or cultivate a better world for now and for those who come after us. Let's go back to the story of composting very quickly. Unlikely things coming together to form dirt, scraps, throwaways, things that nobody wants, coming together to form dirt that's full of nutrients to help new things grow, and transform into material that provides the foundation again for what's next, our future. If we as citizens 
compost of the world do not affirm the dignity of nature. We must ask ourselves, why not? Is it that we lack the healthy imagination to see and feel as we should? This moment is such a special moment for all of us. This moment requires more of us to give more of ourselves and more time to strive for something greater. What could it look like for us to move forward and affirm the dignity of nature in one another? Moving forward, I hope that each of us can look at nature as a model of how to have healthy relationships with it and, of course, with one another. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.